Today on the Matt Wall Show, it's not enough to tolerate, accept, or even celebrate. The LGBT left demands that you participate, which is why some Major League Baseball players are getting backlash for not wearing an LGBT pride flag on their uniforms. We'll discuss. Also, a lawmaker in California now says he wants drag to be a mandatory curriculum requirement for children in school. These groomer freaks are officially out of control. And a Hollywood actor gives a speech about guns during the White House press briefing. For some reason, plus the leftist DA of San Francisco is recalled for turning his city into a crime-plagued wasteland. But will liberal voters actually learn their lesson? I, I tend to doubt it. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know, if you're thinking of buying a new home, it's in your best interest to act now. Review your budget, start the pre-approval process, and get ahead of rising rates. Real estate will continue to be a healthy investment if you're getting a competitive deal from a lender who cares. That's why I recommend American Financing. It's America's home for home loans. Their salary-based mortgage consultants can get your rate locked for up to 120 days so you have time to shop without being at risk of a higher rate. You're also going to get a custom loan that's designed around your needs. Uh, I mean, it's uh, really a no-pressure experience that's focused on you, and they never charge upfront or hidden fees. Uh, they make it worth your time to learn more. So you're saving money. You're also, uh, you're not dealing with a lot of red tape. It's very easy to do, very convenient. All you gotta do is give them a call now at 866-569-4711. That's 866-569-4711, 866-569-4711, or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, NMLS, you know, Seinfeld might be one of the most overrated shows in history, but it did have moments of real resonance. For instance, there was a scene in a season seven that has proven to be downright prophetic. In the episode, Kramer decides to participate in a, um, a charity AIDS walk to raise money and awareness about the disease. And the organizers offer him a, a red AIDS ribbon to wear, but then he, he declines, doesn't wear, wear the ribbon. And they tell him that he has to wear the ribbon. And he says, well, that's why I don't want to wear it, because you're telling me I have to. And soon he's surrounded by an angry lynch mob and beaten senseless for his refusal to wear the crowd's chosen symbol. Heroically, though, he stands firm and is, is made to pay the price for his insult against conformity. Now, as many people on social media have pointed out, there are striking parallels between that scene and uh, many things that happen in modern society, but especially the situation playing out right now in Major League Baseball, where five players on the Tampa Bay Rays are being condemned for not wearing the ribbon, except the ribbon in this case is a gay pride logo. As ESPN reports, a number of Tampa Bay Rays players decided not to wear rainbow-colored logos on their uniforms as part of the team's annual Pride Night on Saturday that recognized the LGBTQ community. Among players who elected to remove the logos were pitchers Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Raley, uh, Brooks Raley rather, Brooks, Brooks Raley, Brooks Raley, uh, Jeffrey Springs and Ryan Thompson, according to the Tampa Bay Times. Adam was elected to speak for the group after the game, saying it was a faith-based decision for many of them. Uh, he said, quote, so it's a hard decision, Adam told the Tampa Bay Times, because ultimately we all said we, uh, what we want is them to know that all are welcome and loved here. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe, not that they look down on anybody or think differently, it's just that Maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior. It's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's just what we believe the lifestyle he's encouraged us to live for our good, not to withhold. But again, we love these men and women. We care about them, and we want them to feel safe and welcome here. Now, 
there's nothing in your face or confrontational here. I mean, he's going out of his way, uh, I, I think way too far out of his way, actually, to try to, you know, make clear that it's not judgmental. It's nothing like that. It's just they simply don't want to wear a gay pride symbol on their bodies. Bodily autonomy, right? Well, we know that's already out the window because it's part of this another trend of forcing people to wear things on their bodies. And so we got rid of the masks now, but now you have to wear the, uh, the rainbow. Maybe wear that over your face. That's the next step. But why should they have to? I mean, why should this even be an issue? Why should any baseball player be put in this position? They're playing baseball. Why do we need athletes who aren't even gay to express gay pride? What does that even mean? I mean, how can you express pride in a, in a lifestyle that you don't even live? And if everyone else on the team is wearing the stupid thing, um, does it matter if a few of them don't? Well, the answer is, of course, yes. It matters a lot. The Alphabet Club demands total, unanimous fealty and allegiance. Anything less is an assault on their very existence. And so the inevitable outrage ensued, fueled, as always, by the corporate media. Many headlines were feverishly published about this incident because, you know, because five play baseball players not wearing a rainbow on their uniform is headline news now in America. A New York Times article on the subject deserves special notice, I think. Here's the headline. This is what it says. Raise players undercut Pride Night by not wearing rainbow logos. This is like me accusing my Jewish neighbor of undercutting Christmas by not having a giant inflatable Santa in his front yard. Now, the writer Tyler Kepner explains, something was missing in the top of the eighth inning on Saturday at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. The Tampa Bay Rays used two relief pitchers that inning, the left-handers Brooks Raley, or Brooks as I call him, and Jalen Beeks, who wore jerseys without a patch on their right sleeve. This was not a manufacturer's error or an equipment manager's mistake. The patch was the Rays' starburst emblem rendered in rainbow colors, like the TB logo on the team's cap as part of the team's Pride Night promotion. Rayleigh Beeks and a few other teammates chose to wear caps and jerseys without the rainbow accents. Later, uh, Kepner writes, without a hint of intentional irony, he says that the Pride logos are supposed to represent, quote, unity without judgment. And in the very next paragraph, he delights in the fact that the players without the patches, according to him, performed poorly on the field and their team lost the game. So you deserve to lose for being judgmental, you worthless, ugly bigots. Basically the message. We've certainly learned that uh, we cannot expect these people to maintain a consistent message from one sentence to the next, or even within the same sentence. Other baseball players have hopped on the outrage bandwagon. A guy named Brian Ruby, who is uh, openly gay, complained to USA Today that he was offended and his tummy was very much hurt because five guys didn't wear a rainbow. Ruby whined, saying, it always baffles me when guys use Jesus as their excuse to discriminate. Like, wasn't Jesus the guy who preached love thy neighbor? This is about being a good teammate. When guys go out of their way to make a point of opposing Pride Night, they're sending a clear message that people like me just aren't welcome in baseball. It's a reminder that even on the one night we get to be proud of ourselves at the ballpark, we're all still second-class citizens. It's as simple as that. You're a second-class citizen because someone's not wearing a rainbow on their jersey, right? Go out of their way? Discriminate? Here's what happened. The team said to them, hey, most of us are going to wear these, uh, these ugly rainbows celebrating the gay lifestyle for some reason. Uh, you should wear one too. And they said, uh, no, thank you. And that was it. They didn't have to go out of their way. They were simply, like, they continued going the same way they'd always been going, and it's you who has to go out of your way to be offended by it. 
Many people on the left are, as always, as they like to say, willing to put in the work when it comes to getting offended, including even in Congress, where Congressman Ted Lieu condemned Jason Adam, one of the players, for citing Christianity as his excuse to not wear the pride flag. Lou tweeted, Jesus is about love, not about hating people who are different from you. Yes, because if you aren't wearing a gay pride symbol on your body at all times, you hate gay people. Though I must note that Ted Lieu himself does not often wear gay pride symbols. Why does Ted Lieu hate gay people? Very troubling. But of all the shrill harpies shrieking over the fact that a few guys didn't have a rainbow on their uniform, none can outshrill or outshriek sports reporter Sarah Spain, who spoke out about the issue on ESPN earlier this week. And uh, you just have to hear this for yourself. Listen. Pride is about inclusion. So you don't love them and you don't welcome them if you're not willing to wear the patch. Okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta just stop it there for just one second because because that, you don't love them and you don't welcome them if you aren't willing to wear the patch. That is literally from Seinfeld. I mean, she is almost verbatim recreating the Seinfeld scene with that statement. Leftists continue to break out beyond the bounds of parody, um, and uh, it doesn't get any better from there. But let's keep listening. And calling it a lifestyle reveals to me that you've done not even a modicum of research or understanding on this topic. It's what tends to happen when a privileged class isn't affected by things. This is not just about baseball. That religious exemption BS, which is used in sport and otherwise, also allows for people to be denied health care, jobs, apartments, children, prescriptions, all sorts of rights. And so we have to stop tiptoeing around it because we're trying to protect people who are trying to be bigoted from asking for them to be exempt from it when the very people that they are bigoted against are suffering the consequences. When you say trying to be bigoted. They're trying to use religious exemptions to affect the opportunities, services, uh, available resources for people who are LGBTQ+. You see all those guys there. I mean, they're 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 even worse than her because they're all just sitting there, including the the you know the, the moderator here. No, what she's saying is complete nonsense, and they know it. But they're like, well, are you, you know, there's a slight skepticism on their face, but they're too afraid to say that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You, ma'am, have set back female sports reporters fifty years with this, with everything you just said there. Dear God, woman, that's what they should say, what they want to say, but they're not going to say it. Um, religious exemption from wearing a patch and not wearing the patch will affect the opportunities and resources of LGBT people? What? So there are LGBT people today who are trying to, what, rent an apartment, but the rental agency is saying, sorry, folks, Jason Adam of the Tampa Bay Rays didn't uh, wear a rainbow on his jersey on Sunday. Therefore, you can't have an apartment because you're gay. Is that how this works? Also note, by the way, how she said that denied children. I think that was very, very revealing also. Um, you know, they're, they're denied health care. They're denied uh, apartments. They're denied children. Now, forgetting about the fact that we're trying to connect this to a rainbow pride patch. Um, the way in what she means by that is like an adoption. So it, 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 she talks about children like they're just another sort of product that somebody might want. Well, you're denied children. You know, because you go to the store and you, you, uh, you buy some shoes and you get, get some children. That's how she sees it, as a sort of commodity. Anyway, this is total delusional, hysterical nonsense coming from somebody who, while accusing others of tiptoeing around, is actually tiptoeing around her own point and true agenda. What she wants to say and what she believes 
is that there must be total conformity to her worldview. No other worldview should exist. And if any others do exist, they should subordinate themselves to her worldview. And in her worldview, there is a hierarchy of identities. And the alphabet club is at the top of the totem pole. You must show deference and submission to them. You must even express pride in their sexual proclivities. You have to sit back and, and be filled with pride. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you for being gay. What does that even mean? Well, nobody knows, but that's what you have to do. Here's the flight path of progressivism. It's important to understand how it works, okay? This is how it always goes. It would have been nice if uh, everybody picked up on this like 30 years ago, but let's pick up on it now. Okay, so first they demand tolerance. And then they say tolerance is not enough. They demand acceptance. Acceptance and tolerance are not the same. They're often lumped together. Not, they're not the same. You can tolerate something simply by not interfering with it, right? You're just allowing it to exist. But if you accept it, then you're affirming it. You're agreeing to it. This is why we might say that somebody accepts an offer or accepts an answer. They're receiving it affirmatively. They're agreeing to it. But acceptance is not enough either. Next, they say that you must do more than tolerate. You must do more than accept. You must celebrate. They need you to pick up the pom-poms and stand on the sideline and, and cheer. You have to give standing ovations. You have to clap for them until your hands are raw. Like the, the sort of scenes we see out of North Korea where throngs of dead-eyed people are forced to applaud uproariously for dear leader while someone holds a gun to their head just off camera. But even that is not enough. The final stage, okay, the, uh, the stage that we're in right now as a culture, stage four, is participation. It's not enough to tolerate or to accept or to celebrate. Now we must actively participate. Put down the pom-poms. You're in the game now, sport, okay? You're playing. Wear the patch. Wave the flag. Use the pronoun. You must be an eager and convincing participant. Forced conversion. Mandatory baptism into the religious cult. That's the final step. Now, if you submit to the first step, you will be taken all the way to the final step by sheer inertia. That's why the only answer that you should give when the left comes along and starts making demands, is to just say no, okay? And, and to keep saying no, and to never give them an inch. The only mistake these five players made was in providing an explanation for their refusal. I mean, they should be commended for refusing. It takes courage. It shouldn't take courage, but it does. But to explain is to agree that your choice requires a defense. It doesn't. The burden of explanation is on the other side. They must explain to you why you should wear the patch. What pressing, urgent need is there for it? What, what, what good thing will be achieved? Why are you asking me to do this? Explain yourself and make it snappy. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of patience. This is the way it's supposed to work, not the other way around. When the left is constantly coming around and saying, oh, here's this new thing we should do. And then people on the other side, are, are frantically trying to explain, well, I don't think I should be able to do it. No. No. This is your idea. You explain it to me. You defend yourself. You're on the hook. Give me an explanation. Explain yourself. Oh, you can't? You're stuttering and muttering. You can't even explain? Then get the hell out of my face, please. Please leave me alone. Why should I wear the damn patch? What, what exactly is it? Uh, because LGBT people need to rent apartments and have health care. 
What does that have to do with a patch? Oh, you can't explain that. Get out of my face. They can't explain themselves. They can't explain anything. As I discovered in my film, What is a Woman? Which you can find at whatisawoman.com. They simply make demands and they expect that you'll go along. So learn to say no and say it loud and say it often. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, life happens fast and it can end even faster. It's a morbid way to start. Uh, you picture yourself living to a ripe old age, but it doesn't always work out that way. Uh, you could die any moment. You could die right now. You could walk outside right now and get hit by a bus. Okay, death is lurking around the corner. And if it hits you, you got to have a plan in place. Otherwise, the state, the people you hate, the people who are going to try to indoctrinate your kids, take your guns, steal your freedom, they're going to step in and take control of your assets when you're gone. They're going to determine what legacy you leave behind. So don't let the state decide what happens to your children should something happen to you, which again could happen at any moment. Uh, the veil keeping you from one world to the next is very, very thin. So don't let the state decide um, who gets your useless NFTs or comic books. Instead, take five minutes and set up a will through Epic Will starting at just $119. You choose who raises your kids. You choose who gets your crap after you've gone because you don't get to choose when you die because it could again happen anytime. Here's what I want you to do. Go to epicwill.com and use promo code Walsh. You'll get a 10% discount on Epic Will's complete will package that, yes, could take only five minutes to set up. Many of our families at Daily Wire are now protected thanks to Epic Will. Why don't you do the same? Go to epicwill.com, enter promo code Walsh, and do something for you and your family today before you die. But you know what? If you really want to wear a patch which shows your virtue and what a good person you are, then don't wear the rainbow patch. Go to dailywire.com and to the uh, Matt Walsh store, and we have our patch program. We have all kinds of Matt Walsh show patches, including a What is a Woman patch that uh, you could pick up now. And I'm, I'm thinking, do we have a virtue signal? I think we need a patch that actually, because this is what this is all about. I mean, it, we could kind of cover everything all at once. So maybe there, maybe we should get a patch that just says, I don't know, just says virtue on it or something or virtue signal. We just need, we could like sort of cover all the bases. And then if anyone ever does come along and say, Oh, you need to wear a rainbow patch. Then you could say, no, 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 I got the virtue patch already. I got a virtue. It's just that covers all the stuff. Any, whatever the current thing is, I already got it. Current thing patch, maybe? We'll work it out. We need something like that. Okay. Think it on our feet here. Um, so we just talked about the flight path, the trajectory, right? The, uh, the, the process. Tolerate, accept, celebrate, participate. Okay, like burn, let's burn that into our, our minds. That's the way it always goes. Tolerate, accept, celebrate, participate. So here it is again, okay, from the Post Millennial. It says, in response to a Texas state representative announcing that he will file legislation to ban drag shows from having children in their audience, California State Senator Scott Weiner proposed offering drag queen curriculum in schools. Responding to a tweet from Representative Brian Slayton of Texas in which he announced the legislation, Weiner wrote, and it's just, I mean, the fact that his name is Weiner, it's, it's just... So perfect. He said, uh, this guy just gave me a, a bill idea offering Drag Queen 101 as part of the K-12 curriculum. Attending Drag Queen Storytime will satisfy the requirements. Okay, now, you might think, you see the tweet there, you might think this is slightly tongue-in-cheek. And even if it is, it's still uh, horrifying and disgusting, and this guy's a groomer scumbag. But, oh no, this is not a joke. This is not a joke from this guy. He, he will introduce that legislation. 
And we'll have more examples of other legislation that he's introduced before, just to, just to show you that you know, he could put his money where his mouth is. In fact, we'll, we'll continue. It says, in 2020, Wiener author, authored a bill that would end discrimination against LGBT people, quote unquote, by providing exemptions from the sex offender registry. The bill, uh, SB 145, made exemptions for people who are convicted of certain offenses as long as the person convicted is no more than 10 years older than the minor, with the minor being no younger than 14. Uh, this bill would exempt from mandatory registration under the act a person convicted of certain offenses involving minors if the person is not more than 10 years older than the minor, and if that offense is the only one requiring person, the person to register. Um, and we, uh, there were some other ones as well. More recently, Wiener authored, authored a bill that would authorize the creation of safe consumption sites within cities and counties. Um, so that's another one is the bill where people can go and use drugs. Also, Wiener, alongside fellow state Senator Todd Gloria, authored a bill that passed back in 2017 that removes federal penalties and prison time for people that knowingly expose a sexual partner to HIV. So prior to the, uh, Wiener coming along, he was, um, unfortunate phrasing there. Prior to this guy, it was, it was illegal in the state of California, as it still is, I think, at least in some states in the country, and it should be in every state, to knowingly infect somebody with HIV. As in, if you have sex with somebody and you're HIV positive, you have a legal responsibility to tell them ahead of time. Of course, that should be the law. Um, but now, thanks to Wiener, you can intentionally and knowingly infect somebody with HIV, and it's not a crime. So that's where... Th that's where this guy's coming from. And that's why when he says that he's going to make a bill requiring mandatory drag queen classes for children, oh, he'll do it. And I repeat what I said yesterday, that um, I very much welcome Democrats making this their new cause. Okay, I don't, I don't welcome these kinds of classes in public school, of course. Though, honestly, I mean, if you're in California, living in California, number one, and number two, you're in California and you have your kids in public school in California, then, uh, I mean, what do, you, what do you expect? Like, that just, that's, that's a, almost inexcusable at this point. But what I, what I welcome and what I want is for the Democrats to explicitly come out to, to say what they already think, what we know they think which is that this is a good thing, and uh, to circle the wagons around it so that everybody else can see. Another, another great mask-off moment for the left. So that all the normal people out there, however many still exist, can see this and like you can decide. Do you really? Is this, is this what you want? Is this what you believe in? You want to vote for people, support people who think that we should mix drag queens and kids? Another part of the process, aside from tolerate, accept, celebrate, participate, the other thing that you find is um, there's this kind of stages of denial or how denial kind of morphs into defense. So um, that's the other thing we always see with the left. So first, when it came to this, you know, drag queens and kids, originally they said, that's ah, not really happening. That's a, it's, a, it's, not, it's not happening. That's, that's not really a thing. This is all, a, you know, it's a, it's a right wing conspiracy theory. Uh, there might be a few examples of it, but it, that's that's very very rare, and it's a you know it's not a big deal. It's not really happening. And then 
how quickly we go from that to, oh, it is happening, but it's good. It's not happening. Okay, it is happening, but it's good. And then that goes to, it is happening, it's good. Oh, and it's mandatory. So we go from not happening to mandatory. And that thing, and that can, um, that progress process can play out very quickly. That can happen within the span of like hours, okay? And I think we're going to see that here because um, the left has been ramping up as we've been covering on this show. Libs of TikTok on Twitter has been um, doing a lot of work to reveal this. This is a, an increasing trend now on the left of uh, drag queens and kids. And the worst iteration of that, the most evil form, of course, is when the kid is actually enlisted to be the drag queen. So here's something that lives with TikTok had. Um, this is, I, I still don't know where, I'm not sure if we know where this happened, but some kind of bar. We have adults cheering on uh, for a child drag queen. Let's see this for just a moment. Let me tell you one of the fiercest performers yet. You guys haven't seen nothing yet. Please give it up for the one, the only, King of Queens! Okay, so you can see that that is an actual child that we're talking about. Uh, I can't even watch this. All right, we can turn it off. I mean, that's the kind of thing, you have to see it, because if you don't see it, then you won't believe it. But I think there's still a lot of people, if you told them that this is happening, that child drag queens are dancing for for adults at gay clubs, you, you told that, to, say it to an average person on the street, they're going to say, that's not, they're, gonna, they're not going to believe you, they're not going to believe it's happening. And that's why the work that, you know, accounts like Libs of TikTok are doing, that's why it's important to, sh- to see this is actually happening. This is a real thing. Okay? And it's not just a, a couple of instance, instance, incidents. It's, it's happening all over the place. This is basically, this is, you know, this is, this is Baka Bazi, okay? Which is, which is uh, Afghanistan. And a lot of our veterans who spent time in Afghanistan, unfortunately, um, Confronted this and and were very made very much aware of this uh, of this tradition in uh, the culture among among the men in Afghanistan, bakabazi or quote unquote dancing boys, and that's where um, men in Afghanistan will sit around and they'll watch uh, little boys dressed up as girls dancing for them, and then of course there's a lot of sexual abuse and child rape that happens as well, um, which by the way is is you know, kind of redundant to even say that because the event itself is child sexual abuse already. And you hear about that in Afghanistan. I, mean, I remember hearing about that for the first time when we first went into Afghanistan. And in this country, people were horrified. And you had veterans coming home from Afghanistan traumatized by having witnessed it, especially witnessed it, and they're not allowed to do anything about it. They're being instructed by their higher-ups that uh, they can't stop it. Coming home traumatized because of that, and then uh, what do you know, 15 years later, same damn thing is happening here. And it's being defended in the mainstream by leftists and Democrats. And let them defend it. 
defend it, defend it loudly, loud and proud. Come on, just come out, come out and, and, and give us, give us your argument. By the way, this is the same thing. Remember I said that um, when they propose something, it's up to them to explain it and defend it. Okay, you have to force them to do it because they're playing the same game with this, by the way. There was, um, I've seen a lot of this on Twitter and one example is a, a Charlotte Clymer, who I think works for one of these, a uh, human rights campaign or one of, the, one of these radical trans LGBT organizations, militant and uh, posing the question of, uh, well, I, I really don't, I'm not sure, I don't understand why it's so wrong to mix children and, and drag queens. Could someone explain to me why it's wrong? So we've heard that a lot from the left. People with platforms, prominent people, saying, oh, well, I'm open to, to understanding why you guys object to it, but why don't you explain it? We shouldn't need to explain it, and we don't have to explain it. That should be, if it's not immediately obvious to you why it's wrong, then that says something very troubling about you. But also, let me flip that around. Um, you are the one proposing this. You're the one, it's your side introducing this into the culture. You explain why we need to do it. Okay, You, you give us the defense of it. What's good about it? Why do kids need this? Kids are get, we're getting along just fine. They're, they're just being kids. They're playing. They're using their imaginations. They're living, you know, innocent, childlike lives as they should. You're coming along and saying, oh, you know, you know what they need? They need drag. So that's up to you to defend and explain, which you can't do um, so far. Or at least the defense is not anything that you'll say out loud. Because the real reason that you want to do it is, be, is that you have an actual agenda to sexualize children. You don't want to say that out loud yet. Anyway, All right, this is from the Daily Wire. It says, San Francisco voters sent shockwaves throughout the political world Tuesday night, removing woke district attorney Chesa Bodine from office, uh, ending his disastrous tenure in office. Bodine uh, could not overcome a coalition of more safety-minded Democrats, Republicans, and Independents who are furious over the rampant property crimes, open drug use, persistent retail theft, and skyrocketing number of certain crimes. The Wall Street Journal reported voters strongly endorsed ousting the reform-minded DA as partial returns showed about 60% of voters supporting the recall. Um, since Boudin took office in, Jan in January of 2020, burglaries have risen 45% and homicides have increased almost 40%, 37%. That is, that's about as much damage as you could possibly do in two years. If you're trying to do as much damage as you possibly can, that's the most I think you could do. And, and he is trying. He was trying. 45% uh, increase in property crimes, almost 40% increase in murders. And, you know, I, I was in San Francisco. We were in San Francisco shooting the film. It's actually my first time ever being in San Francisco. And I don't plan on going back anytime soon. And there's a, you know, that's one thing about these places in California, including San Francisco. It's just tragic to see what's happened to these cities and to these uh, regions of the country. Tragic in general, but also because it's, it's still so geographically beautiful. And um, you can still go out, you know, to the coast. And it's a, it's a beautiful sight when you're looking out, you know, if you could, because now you have your back on all of the feces on the ground and the homeless encampments and the people shooting up heroin needles lying on the street. You, you turn your back on that and just look out to the ocean, it looks quite beautiful. And we are wasting this 
this beauty on, on what has become of San Francisco, which is quite tragic. And I could remember being there, walking around, and I, I kind of, you know, I didn't, this is another reason why you have to, kind of, you have to see it for yourself. Uh, I had heard all the reports about how these cities that were run by these Soros DAs have turned into third world countries. And I, part of me thought, that eh, might be a slight exaggeration. I don't, walking through San Francisco, driving through it, it is not an exaggeration. It is a hellscape. It is dystopian. And that is thanks entirely to these progressive left-wing policies. And that is because left-wing policies make people's lives worse in very obvious, direct ways. If you are living under the boot of a, of, of a leftist, your life is going to be worse. You're going to be less prosperous, less safe, less healthy, um, not as happy in general. And that's, that's the difference. Left-wing policies, everybody can see how it hurts them. Very direct, very immediate. They're making your life worse, and they're doing it on purpose. And voters, you know, they'll rebel against, in, you know, this indiv- individual, this DA, we got to get rid of him. He's made our life worse. But oftentimes the voters in these cities, they, they still don't, they don't connect the dots. They don't add two plus two. And so they're still going to vote for more Democrats and just keep voting for Democrats. They vote for a Democrat, makes their life worse. And they say, oh, that Democrat was bad. Let's vote for another one. Uh, their life gets even worse. Oh, okay. Well, he's no good. Let's get another one. Life gets even worse. And they just never quite understand. Um, as opposed to on the right, you know, the left says that living under right-wing, supposed right-wing policies will make your life worse, but they have to do a lot of work to convince you that your life has been made worse. That's the interesting thing. All of the um, consequences of living under conservative policies, you don't really see them. And so they have to do marches in the street and wear the handmade costumes, right? And, uh, and just tell you, oh, no, no, this is terrible. Don't you see how terrible things are? We have to walk around in our handmade costumes. Well, no, you don't have to walk around in that. You're choosing to. Well, yes, but it represents something simple. What does it represent? Women are being oppressed by these policies. How? But you're, you said you're being oppressed. You're out here protesting. It doesn't seem like, if, if you're being oppressed, it doesn't seem like you'd be allowed to do that. So there's a lot of effort they have to go through to convince you that your life has been made worse by conservative policies because, in fact, your life is not made worse by them. Whereas on the right, we have the advantage of we don't have to convince you of anything. We don't have to convince you that your life has been damaged by left-wing policies. All we have to say is just look out your front, look out your window. Walk down the street. That's all you have to do. It's right there in front of you. All right, let's move to this. Joy Reid of MSNBC had some great wisdom and insight on uh, gun violence, as always. We always look to Joy Reid for wisdom, and uh, she's happy to provide it. So let's listen to her. Definitely not online, where anger and alienation and fear just feast on places like 4chan and 8chan. And they know it. And Rupert Murdoch's marionettes are pulling those themes right onto their primetime shows. Republicans have literally made bringing Trump and his dangerous paranoid style back onto Twitter into a political rallying cry. And okay, set aside ideological or emotional safety. We're not allowed to feel physically safe anywhere in America. 
thanks to Republicans' ironclad partnership with the blood-soaked NRA, which long ago quit the gun safety business and has been working for decades to ensure that the most lethal arms get into as many alienated 18- and 19-year-old incel hands as possible so that we can't feel safe at Walmart, at the supermarket, at Bible study or church service, at the salon, at the hospital, if, God forbid, some guy gets mad at his doctor for not giving him opioids, at a nightclub, at a concert, even at a funeral, or at school, whether you're in high school or you're 10 and in the fourth grade. In America, and only in America, you are literally rolling the dice. Um, perfect illustration of what we just talked about, trying to convince us. So she's trying to convince us that conservative policies, and I say conservative policies, but really in this case, we're just talking about constitutional policies, so kind of one and the same, um, uh, those policies of respecting your God-given rights to self-defense, respecting the Second Amendment, try to convince us that it makes our, our lives worse. And so she's listing all the places where you're unsafe because of the NRA and because of gun rights. And, um, of course, the, the places that, almost all the places that she listed, statistically, you are still quite safe in uh, all those places, statistically. Doesn't mean you're 100% safe. Doesn't mean nothing bad will ever happen. But statistically, like if you're, you know, uh, you go to Walmart in a, in a suburban neighborhood and you go to Walmart every day your entire life and you're almost certainly not going to be uh, the victim of, a, of a, some kind of mass shooting in the process. So she's listing all these places. What's the one place she doesn't list? These are all the places where you can't feel safe just walking around. The one place she doesn't list is where almost all of the gun violence happens, which is in the inner city, in all the cities that are run by Democrats. So trying to convince us, oh, you're not safe here, you're not safe there, you're not safe there. Um, you know where you're actually not safe is walking down the street in one of these cities, where again, almost all of the gun violence happens. Going to overlook that. Well, speaking of gun violence, we, we heard from Joy Reid. We also heard yesterday, for some reason, from Matthew McConaughey. Now, I haven't, I haven't actually looked into this. I, I don't even, I'm not sure what the reason was, like the, the ostensible reason for bringing Matthew McConaughey for White House press briefing to talk about guns. I know the actual reason. The reason is that he's a celebrity. And so, oh, listen to him. He's a celebrity. But he was up there uh, giving a little speech about guns, and let's listen to him. Families of the deceased, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, Texas Rangers, hunters, Border Patrol, and responsible gun owners who won't give up their Second Amendment right to bear arms. And you know what they all said? We want secure and safe schools, and we want gun laws that won't make it so easy for the bad guys to get these damn guns. So, we know it's on the table. We need to invest in mental health care. We need safer schools. We need to restrain sensationalized media coverage. We need to restore our family values. That's we enough. Need to restore. Thanks. Thanks for that, uh, McConaughey. Uh, so I looked it up. Okay, so he's from Uvalde, Texas, and that's why. That's why he's given a speech at the White House press conference, because he's from Uvalde. Why him, though? I mean, why not just pull any random, go to the gas station, just pull somebody and say, hey, you want to give a speech to the White House press conference? You're from here. They would have just as much, if not more, credibility than Matthew McConaughey. Uh, so, 
Let's listen to him, to Matthew McConaughey, because he is very good at pretending to be people. That's his resume. That's his qualification. That's why we're. That's why he's at the White House press briefing, live national television. Because listen, to this guy is very good at pretending, and so we should listen to him about guns. Uh, not that uh, what we hear from official White House sources is any better. We we did also hear eventually from Karen Jean Pair, the uh, new White House press secretary. And she was asked about, as we got away from guns, talking about the economy. And she says that actually, your eyes are deceiving you. Uh, the economy's in a pretty good place. Listen. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you, is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so we feel here at this administration, and other experts as well, is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation. Yeah, it's all it's it's good. It's uh, you, know, you, you feel like you're suffering, but you're actually not. Everything is fine. The economy is better than it has been historically. I love the phrasing there. It's so broad and open ended than it has been historically. So what she's saying is that um, there's at least one other point in American history where the economy has been worse. In order for that statement to be true, you just need than it has been historically. In order for that to be true, you just need to, there to be one other occasion in American history when the economy was worse than this. And then you could say, well, it's better than it has been historically. So if, it's, if we're in better shape than we were, let's say, uh, right in the height of the Civil War or something, then, uh, yeah, we're better off than we have been historically. All right, I want to move to this before we get to the comment section. I cannot neglect to mention this story. Uh, some topless pro-abortion feminists protested during a WNBA game last night, protested over abortion. Um, I think it was very nice of them to stage this protest in a forum where nobody would see it. And now we're going to see it, though, because I'm going to play it. So let's let's play some of the footage of this. Go ahead and play it. And they are running, running around the court. No shirt on. Security tracking down. Oh, someone took a tumble there. That is, uh, I gotta say, that's the most athleticism I've ever seen on a WNBA court. Mostly because I've never seen a WNBA court. I didn't even know they played on a court. That's the honest truth. I thought that they just play. They pick somebody's driveway for each game and they played there. I didn't. I, so that's great. That's a good job, uh, ladies. You get a, a, a whole court to yourself. I mean, literally get it to yourself. You know, because no one's there. Um, it was pretty rude of the protesters, honestly. I mean, the fan in the audience didn't pay to see that. Actually, I mean, he really didn't pay to see it. He, he paid to see an Imagine Dragons concert and went to the wrong stadium and then was kind of stuck there, from what I understand, according to reports. Um, I, I've read, actually, that uh, this is interesting, that, that after that disruption, they, they decided not to start the game back up uh, because the ref said that there was just no point. You know? And plus, he was hungry and wanted to eat dinner, and so they just kind of ended it. Didn't matter anyway. It's a WNBA game. So anyway, that's what happened there. Let's move now to the comment section. Who makes a Twitter mob fly off the handle with rage? Who's to blame? It's a sweet baby gang. Henry Cross says, to be real honest, I thought the groomer mob would have already successfully taken down Matt's Twitter account. I thought there was no way his account would have survived the release of this film, but it did and it wowed me. So here's to scrappy, resilient Matt. Cheers. Uh, I am with you in being stunned by that um, 
by that reality also. I, I didn't think, I, I didn't know if any of my social media platforms would survive. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to count my uh, chickens before they hatch. And, but, but yeah, I am, I am a little bit surprised, but it's not for lack of trying. I mean, they have been mass reporting all of my accounts for days and days and days. And yet I remain. Now, I say that I expected to get deplatformed and all that, not because I'm breaking the rules on these social media platforms, uh, but just because, you know, the, the rule, we know what the real rule is, is that if you're a conservative, then uh, they're going to do what they can to get rid of you. So we'll see. Johnny said, Johnny Hollywood says, I got fired from a waiter job at a real nice hotel chain because HR overheard a joke I made with two other males about my penis, and I lost my job when the joke was repeated back to me in writing. And that that's never good, by the way, to hear the joke repeated back to you in writing. I think, first of all, you lose a lot of the it's just, that's not the context for a joke. I think it, it, it loses something in translation. Um, and you said it was uh, it documented so that the witch really does have power. It's insane. Uh, yeah, well, this is this is what a lot of these HR departments, corporate HR departments do. They, I mean, that's why we heard from the one HR woman in that video, the, the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, she was delighting in the fact. I mean, she said, she wasn't just speaking for herself. She said that, hey, we in HR... We're a bunch of women, and we're angry, and we hate you. And all, everyone watching that video who's, who's worked in the corporate world, you know, you see that, you think, well, yeah, I, I know, I've noticed. Your whole existence is just to find reasons to make my life harder. And hopefully, if you can, get rid of me. Um, uh, let's see. Ima Mike says, imagine being so insecure in your identity that you feel very... Your, your very existence is threatened by a documentary made by a high school-educated flannel-wearing podcast host. I know, exactly, exactly. Um, I have never, I, I, I tell you, I'm a documentary, I'm a fan of documentaries. Um, that's why it's so thrilling to now be able to call myself a documentarian myself, identify that way. And I have never, I've seen documentaries I didn't like. Um, I've seen documentaries I disagreed with. I have never felt physically assaulted by a documentary. Um, I've never screamed out in pain because I thought that I was going to die watching the documentary. I've never been watching a documentary and then felt like that's uh, like Back to the Future, where you know he's he's looking at the the photograph and the images of his family is like slowly disappearing. I never I never looked down at myself and just watched myself slowly disappear as my existence was erased by a documentary. I don't even know how that would work, but I think it does show that you're. Certainly not very secure in your identity. Uh, 4G Mama says, God bless you. Your courage is amazing. Your willingness to be a martyr for truth is exactly what the world needs. May God and your guardian angel protect you. Well, thank you for that. But one correction is uh, I'm actually not willing to be a martyr. Um, that's not something I'm just going to accept anyway. I, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to be a martyr. The, I'd rather make a, the other guy the martyr. There's a guy who wants to make me a martyr. It's like, no, I, I'll... How about you instead? But I appreciate it. Sarah says, Matt, so what's the deal with the sandwich at the end of the film? Was that supposed to be a sexist trope in the movie? Yeah, the, the, uh, the sandwich. Now, now we've really gotten into spoilers, but I guess it's been a week since the movie came out, so we can talk a little bit. We can get a little more spoilery in, uh, in our discussions of the film. And I've been asked this question a lot, um, especially by, the, uh, by feminists. I, I did an interview with Laura Dodsworth, who's a journalist in the U.K., and she did an interview for uh, the, called The Critic Magazine. 
And it was a good interview. She was very fair. She did a write-up. You can go and, and check it out. But she also asked me about this because this apparently is a big debate among especially UK so-called gender-critical feminists about the last scene in the movie when I go home and I talk to my wife and she tells me what a woman is, but she's in the kitchen and she's making a sandwich when, when she tells me this. And so I was asked, was this some sort of was there some sort of deeper significance to that? What, what was I trying to say with the sandwich? Um, what's, what's the symbolism? And the honest truth is there's just no symbolism. We just, we just needed her to be sort of doing something in the scene and uh, to give the answer and then get back to what she was doing. Because part of the point is that she's, she's sort of situated in her daily life, situated in, in you know, her life and her existence, her identity as a woman, as a mom as a as a wife and, and all of that and so she's not sitting around navel gazing thinking what is what is a, what is my identity what is this what is that right this is the whole the whole question of gender ideology the reason why this has become a question is because of all the it's a luxury belief it's it, it's all the navel gazing in the west people just sitting around with nothing else to do and um, looking back within their own egos and asking themselves how do I feel how do I feel about I f- how I feel if you live your life and are situated within your life and are confident in who you are, then a lot of these questions almost don't exist. They're quite obvious. So that's what we wanted to communicate is that she gives the answer, then gets back to what she's doing. However, I'm quite happy that people are, uh, I think it's a, it's a good sign with a movie when people are picking apart each little scene and looking for all the deeper symbolism and significance. And I will also say, and I said this in the interview with uh, with Laura, that like it didn't occur to me when we were shooting the scene that somebody would be offended by that aspect of it. If somebody had told me and said, you know, people might be offended by this, I would have said, I don't care. We're still going to do the scene this way. So I don't want anyone to think that uh, we were trying to avoid being offensive either. That's certainly not the case. We're just doing the scene. That's all. But you can interpret it how you want. Well, What is a Woman is a huge success, way beyond my wildest dreams, to be honest with you. So thank you for that. We gained more subscribers the day of the premiere than on any other day in Daily Wire history. Last night, this film became the number one most popular movie at home on Rotten Tomatoes. We're beating out uh, you know, f- streaming films on, on platforms with millions of more subscribers than we are. Still haven't gotten any mainstream critic reviews yet, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, this topic is is more important now than it ever has been before. It's about protecting women and children. Um, and it's also about, as I always say, first and foremost, about defending and protecting the truth because the truth matters. Um, and that's why with this film, we're changing the gender ideology conversation. And one of the ways we're changing the conversation is by having a conversation about it because they don't want us to talk about it, as we've seen. Without your support, none of this would be possible. So from all of us at Daily Wire, we want to say thank you. And we also want to let you know that Terror on the Prairie premieres June 14th. And uh, that means that, look, if you became a Daily Wire subscriber, um, it's uh, it's not just for uh, what is a woman. We've got tons of great stuff coming up this month and uh, from there on. If you remember when uh, Hollywood and Disney tried to cancel Gina Carano, two days after that, Gina after Gina was canceled, Daily Wire picked her up and announced that she'd be starring in and producing our next original film, and uh, then we actually made the film. And I, for one, am really looking forward to this. Exactly the kind of movies that we should be making is Terror on the Prairie. So go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to join us and get exclusive access to our entire content library. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. 
We have um, something unprecedented today. I believe for the first time in the history of the Daily Cancellation, I'm going to pull somebody from the opening monologue and drag them down here to the Daily Cancellation. Sarah Spain, the sports reporter who unwittingly recreated a Seinfeld episode while also claiming that gay people will be denied housing because a professional baseball player didn't wear a rainbow patch, must be canceled today. Her obnoxiousness and stupidity are just too rich, too expansive to cover in one monologue. But I want to retread the same ground here. There's a deeper point that I want to make that I've been thinking about, actually. And uh, this provides a, a, you know, a, a starting point, a jumping off point. It won't shock you to learn that Spain, who condemned players for not showing respect for the LGBT flag, has repeatedly over the years defended Kaepernick and his decision to not show respect for the American flag. Spain has called it disgusting, nauseating, repulsive that Kaepernick hasn't been offered a job in the NFL after washing out seven years ago. Um, Back when he first began that virtue signaling campaign, Spain wrote an article on ESPN in support of the gesture, calling Kaepernick's critics to task. She wrote at the time, quote, I look forward to the day when people stand up and demand justice for people with the same passion they display in defending symbols. Standing for the anthem is easy because it's expected. Loving your country enough to want to make it better is real patriotism. Yes, why would you bother defending symbols? They're just symbols. Unless it's the gay pride symbol, of course. Wearing the pride patch, that's also expected and easy. But in that case, Spain and her leftist cohorts demand that the easy and expected thing be done, all in deference to what they consider to be our true national flag, which is the pride flag. And this helps to illuminate something that may seem confusing on the surface. The left so often seems to stand against unity, against the collective, against traditions, against um, symbols that bind people together. They seem to have a, a vision of the atomized individual set apart from the collective. They applaud a guy like Kaepernick for declining to stand with his teammates for the flag. In fact, they seem to emphasize indiv- individuality to the extent of, of actually wanting each person to have their own universe, their own truth. Forget about shared symbolism. They don't even accept that we have a shared reality. If you watched What is a Woman, you know um, how far this kind of line of thinking can go. Or you could just watch any TikTok video and get the same idea. Here's one uh, of a woman who explains how her identity and her pronouns continually evolve to the point now that her pronouns change depending on who is talking to her. Listen. Happy Pride, everybody. I already mentioned this in my story, but um, I've added a new set of pronouns to the pronouns that I'm comfortable being called. I've been sitting on Faye Fair Fair's pronouns for a while and honestly kind of psyching myself out about it. I'm like, oh, do I really want to like change this again? And then I like realized I was like, who cares? Like if I decide that I don't like them, I can just stop using them. My other thing about this new set of pronouns is that I would only like for queer and trans people to use them for me. Cishet people, they, them. Queer and or trans people, you can use they, them or Faye Fair. It's all good with me. I'm excited because Faye Fair pronouns make me feel very affirmed in my not feeling like a person. Sorry, by the way, that was an Instagram video, not TikTok. Didn't mean to uh, misgender TikTok. Uh, by the way, Faye Fair pronouns are associated with fairies. So she identifies as an actual mythical creature, sometimes, depending on who she's in the room with. And we're expected to affirm that reality because it's her reality. And she gets her own reality for herself. This would seem to be hyper-individualism, a kind of individualism on steroids, or perhaps individualism on crack cocaine, as the case may be. You can't get any more individualistic than to provide each individual with their own universe to operate inside of. And yet, 
It turns out that this individual has limits. It's rather stifling in its limits. So for one thing, we all get our own truth, and yet I'm not allowed to have a truth where only women give birth. Right? Like if I want my truth, we all get our own truth. Okay, so my truth, I, I'm going to stick with the truth, and we'll just call that my truth if you want for the sake of argument. And in my truth, you know, men are men, women are women. But you're not allowed to do that. So you can't have that truth. They reject that that is the truth, and they won't even allow you to claim it as your own truth. We all have our own truth, but some truths are more true than others, it turns out. We also find that this supposed individualism doesn't even give us license to decline a pride flag patch. It turns out that the individualists are ruthless conformists. How can they be both? What's going on? Well, it's because the individuality, the my truth stuff, it's all a ruse. It's a front. It's a tool, more like it. It's used as a way to break apart and demolish the institutions and traditions that the left doesn't like. A child is encouraged to live his truth because it will weaken the bond with his parents. Um, spouses are encouraged to live their truth because it will fracture their marriage. We're sent off into our own universes in order to weaken and eventually snap the ties, keeping the family, the church, the nation together. That's the ultimate objective. Once it's accomplished, we're meant to reconvene back together in one shared universe in reality, only it won't be the same one we left. It'll be like Planet of the Apes, right? We return to the same world, but everything is turned on its head and all that was good lays in ruins. Now back here in this new world, where conformity is not just encouraged, but demanded and required, our national flag is the gay rainbow. The dominant religion is the religion of gender. The parent-child relationship has been supplanted by the state-child relationship. They said you could live your truth, but they really meant that you must live theirs, which is an untruth. And that's what this is all about. Now, I suspect that Sarah Spain hasn't quite thought all of this out. She's just a ditzy conformist saying whatever seems safest and most popular in the moment. But this is the agenda she serves, even if she's too dumb to realize it. And that's why she is today canceled. And that'll do it for us today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on The Penn Shapiro Show, Matthew McConaughey joins the Biden White House to push gun control. The Washington Post implodes over a retweeted joke and makes a total mockery of itself in the process. Plus, California liberals get mugged by reality. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm. 